video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch Well, my name's Justin LeClue, and I'm here today with... Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Woo! We got a big list today. We are now in the desert of winter, when it seems like all the labels have decided, eh, let's not do the most interesting stuff. Yeah, and yet we still have a pretty huge list of titles to go through this week. <laughs> That's right. Because you know what? Every movie is someone's favorite it is, movie. It is. And first up in the cult section, oh, we got Shout Factory. They want your dollars because they are putting out My Bloody Valentine in a steel book. Didn't this come out like six months ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this came out uh, two years ago now. I think it was only two years ago. You know what? It was last year because I remember buying it at the store. Yeah. Well, this was a huge release last year when we talked about it because it had just been out of print forever and like there hadn't really ever been a decent Blu-ray transfer. This, as far as I know, is the exact same thing. I don't think they've rescanned it or anything. Sometimes they rescan it for the Steelbooks. Wait, but... what about the 4K release? That's what I need. Yeah, need-ed. no 4K on this. This is just literally if you want to scratch that Steelbook itch or you never picked up My Bloody Valentine. Oh yeah, you'll scratch it because those steelbooks oh, are cheap. Yeah. They are cheap and easily breakable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, Steelbook, it's an ironic name. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Great movie, though. I mean, for people who don't have the original Blu-ray release, I bet you it's probably out of print by now. This Blu-ray is amazing. It has, like, the uncut version, and it's not that annoying, like, um, branching path thing that was on the original DVD, which went out of print a million years ago, too. So. Great stuff. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Well, not just in time. I mean, t- too late. Valentine's Day is fast. Well, I guess we're going to be releasing this after. Sorry. Well, if you... <laughs> If you forgot to get your significant other something for Valentine's Day and you need something to get. Uh, we also have, speaking of Canadian classics, Blue Monkey, a.k.a. Insect, directed by my main man, William Fruitt, uh, co-writer of Going Down the Road. He uh, also directed, oh, I always get it wrong. Is it Bride in White or Wedding in White? An acclaimed Canadian uh, wedding, wedding in White, White I think. drama yeah. starring Carol Kane. And then he just became kind of an exploitation movie director. Uh, he did the infamous Death Weekend, which still hasn't gotten a proper Blu-ray release in North America for some weird reason. I remember seeing that at a screening, a U of T screening, actually, where they had like a film print of it. It was like years ago. It was maybe like a decade ago now. But I think movie. that film print got damaged because I remember seeing it. And they're like, oh, we lost the film print, so we're watching a DVD. Uh, well, it looked good, and, and it was good. It was a good movie. And this Blue Monkey is his kind of like uh, mutant monster thing. It's about a giant bug, so it's like a 50 sci-fi throwback. I've never actually seen it because it was originally only available in a terrible-looking VHS transfer. It had never gotten a DVD release before this. Yeah, so Dark Force with Code Red have teamed up to rescan this and put out a nice edition with a spiffy... No, no, no not... That nice in addition because uh, no special features. Existed before, but you get like a swanky little slipcover on it. So, I mean, that's all that. Oh, not only is the slipcover swanky, it glows in the dark. It does. Yeah, I noticed that. Oh, I picked this up. I am a William Fruit completist. I don't know why I'm kind of obsessed with his movies. And, you know, because they're not all that great. He also directed uh, Funeral Home is one of his as well. But like Death Weekend's really interesting. I love the films he wrote with uh, Donald Shabib. I can never say his last name. Shabib. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, yeah. And the way that he became just a TV director doing all the best Goosebump episodes. Oh, nice. I didn't even know that. I mean, he is a CanCon legend, right? Oh, yeah. So we should be celebrating And he's still here. around. I saw him interviewed in a documentary about um, tax shelter movies, but he never does interviews. He never appears on any of these Blu-ray releases or anything like that. Uh, unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Well, it's finally here, at least. It's finally watchable. You know what? I just made a joke saying there's nothing that I want. I forgot that there's a new edition of Just Before Dawn, the Jeff Lieberman backward slasher film, and I actually don't own this really? movie. Really? Okay. Yeah, this has been long out of print for, you know, had a really nice two-disc DVD years and years ago, but um, yeah, now Code Red and Kino uh, have put it out again. Um, nice and spiffy looking, and yeah, this is a pretty... Pretty underseen, but generally well-regarded 80s slasher. Man, Kino is not, like, resting on their laurels when it comes to releasing this Code Red stuff. As if they're not <laughs> afraid all. that, like, uh, the guy who owns it's going to come and be like, no, give it all back to me, which is not completely out of the picture. No, well, like, let's get serious. This is the best thing to happen to the Code Red guy in forever, probably hooking up oh, with this. Oh, yeah. I wonder how much of a percentage he makes yeah, off of these. that's a good question. He must make a pretty, yeah, he make, must make a pretty penny off of this and must, like, offset a lot of the costs that he would have all had to shoulder himself. In the I back. think I remember hearing that like he would ship all the stuff himself he as would, well. Because he, for years, he would refuse to ship to Canada. I remember getting an impersonal message from him saying, sorry, I can't ship your DVDs because you live in Canada. And he had like really like, great right, additions with new transfers and tons of special features. Yeah. And he would just like discontinue them on a whim if someone said something critical and about it. Really I remember the nightmare situation that 1980 horror movie. We've talked about it before. You know, only because I did buy a copy of that, and it's it's an okay movie, it's whatever. But yeah, like, it's fine. Well, I don't know why it was such a big deal. Well, that's the, I can see why not that many people bought it because it's not that memorable. But he lost his shit about it, <laughs> expecting like to make huge sales and nobody bought it. So. The big deal as well was that he had an hour long interview with the director in Italian without subtitles, right. and people were like, "Yeah, you included this without subtitles," and he was like, "Screw you! I tried to do something for you guys," and it's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, he took it really personally. Uh, speaking of other Code Red stuff being uh, redistributed by Kino we have Devil Times 5, a killer kid movie that I don't think I've seen, but I believe this one does what I want all killer kid films to do, and it kills some kids. Unlike something like Bloody Birthday. Yeah, that movie's a letdown, eh? <laughs> I, I hate the killer kid movies that don't go all the way and just kill the kids. Like, mom and Dad. Yeah, like Mom and Dad, you know? A film about parents killing kids, and no kids die in it! And you never see it, you know? Even something recent like Cub, you know, people like that a lot. There were, like, definitely not enough kids getting, getting killed, killed in that listen movie. we are childless <laughs> adults i'm sure that once we have kids we'll be like oh no protect the sweet baby but if you're setting up a movie to be a killer kid movie like come on you don't deliver the goods so we come also on. have devil's yeah. express a movie that i've surprisingly not seen because it's like a zombie black exploitation martial arts film real bottom of the barrel people say it's really fun <laughs> i figured this would be right up your alley and looking one. at the release i'm like no special features come on code red i know it's bare bones it's just like here it is it's a no, now. I guess Kino, they're also, maybe they're releasing them so fast as well because they are not, like, doing anything new for these releases. They're just packaging what Code Red had done before and putting it exactly. out. Exactly. That's all it seems so to be. So we also have Madame Claude, which I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. This is a French art. Oh, Cult Epics put it out. Ah, sexploitation, baby. Yeah, from our man, just 
Just Jaken? Okay, is that his real name? Because it sounds like Just Jaken is a metaphor or for masturbation. <laughs> just uh, Jaken. But yeah, for those of you who don't know, he is the director of the Emmanuel series, at least the first three Emmanuel movies, uh, the official Emmanuel movies, as well as a lot of other things. This one tries to front like it's a bit more of like an artier French melodrama, but you know, it just looks basically like softcore porn. And so. hey, don't forget, he also directed uh, The Perils of Gwendolyn in the Land of the Yik Yes, yes, of course. Uh, he's Wait, gonna... is that the one or is that a different one? No, I think that was him, was it not? Uh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. All those exploitation directors did these like big budget kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, Emmanuel is what he's most famous for, which I have never yeah, seen. No, you're right. He did do Gwendolyn as well. Uh, we also have... Uh, zoom up murder site from impulse uh, a japanese uh, pinku film and <laughs> if you're trying to look it up and you're like wait what is this movie well uh for reasons the title was changed on this north american cover its original title is zoom up rape site Ooh, yikes uh, i guess they figured that wouldn't sell as much <laughs> yeah so murder site it is eh, i'm not really into these kind of movies yeah, these movies are kind of greasy we you know we bring them in because there's definitely there's a fan base for this kind of stuff and you know it is what it is but yeah there's a history of these kind of movies uh, for me it's not and they're just jaking you it. know they're just jaking it to these movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just jaking it <laughs> Uh, uh, what if like the pronunciation of his last name is Jacket? It's probably Jacket. You know what? It probably is just Jacket. It. <laughs> Every time we talk about a porn release, now we should talk about. We should just say, like, oh yeah, I know people that just Jacket it, it, it to this one. <laughs> uh, so we also have Beach Bays from Beyond from Full Moon, a remastered Full Moon classic, uh, directed by my man. Man, these are all my men. Uh, David Dakota. <laughs> I think I also said my man was Just Jaken, but I don't really know why I said that. So, yeah, you were just following peer pressure. You're like, I got to fit in with what Justin says. Uh, I've never seen this one because it's kind of like uh, more in the sexploitation angle of Full Moon. I don't know if this was part of their like erotic uh, series it, that yeah, they had. Yeah, it was. And I would have probably picked this Blu-ray up. But what's this? No David Dakota commentary How track. How dare they? How dare they? This one looks fun, though. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is more in the realm of their exploitation stuff. It looks like, you know, like a femalian kind of thing. You know thing. why there is no commentary track? I just solved this mystery. Uh, because there is an 88-minute making of. <laughs> and I was what? like... That's crazy. The making yeah. ofs of the other David Dakota films, it's raw behind-the-scenes footage. Oh, okay. I mean, that's uh, David cool. Dakota, and I can't believe I had this uh, memory in my mind. He did a commentary for this for free online. I don't know why they didn't port that one over. Maybe the person that like he did it for said no, but that's why there isn't one on here. Yeah, but I guess you can just go to the commentary online and then sync it up yourself. So maybe yeah. I will be picking this up. I got to get, you know, fill up that Dakota collection of his classic films. I know, right? You got every last one. I'm, I'm not I'm not wandering into uh, <laughs> the ones that he shot himself because that is a fruitless mission with no joy. Even though I do own his uh, B.D. Cooper <laughs> uh, fights Bigfoot movie, which is it uh, hunky uh, men naked in showers most of the time? Of course it is. Of course it is. What else would they be doing? But that DVD, which I picked up for $2 at a comic book shop, does have a commentary with him and Linnea Quigley, who had not seen the film as she's watching it. <laughs> That's great. Those are my favorite kind of commentaries. Uh, moving on, we have The Hand That Feeds the Dead, another uh, full moon release. This one starring Klaus Kinski. It's their... Uh, they have a deal with one of those European companies, and this is another one of 
those. Uh, it's directed by the guy who did Mark's favorite SS Camp. Love no SS Experiment. <laughs> right. Oh yes, my favorite. <laughs> that that and just I was just jaking it to. SS <laughs> oh, <Camp>. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, yeah, definitely not feeling the Nazi place, Nazi exploitation stuff. That's for sure. Ooh. No, and the Hand of Dead. It seems like kind of like a gothic style horror film. Probably some giallo elements in there. Yeah, it looks looks fun. I guess if you're a Kinski fan, you know, I'm sure you'll get some enjoyment out and of this. And VCI is putting out Santo in the Treasure of Dracula, and to that I say nay, because I'm a horse now. <laughs> also, I have, I have a feeling this is. Another VCI Mexican movie release that they say is remastered, and all they include is a new English yeah, dub. I think you're right. Boo. You got a real bone to pick with these VCI Mexican releases. Oh, <laughs> I mean, the days of seeing um, like remastered versions of films, and it doesn't include the original language and like new versions. Not since the days of Miramax releasing Hong Kong films has this happened. Oh my God, right? Yeah. What are they doing over there? What are they doing the, in the, That is a release to please no one, I guess. And yet a lot of people have bought this already. Like, this already has sold. Yeah, they, they don't clearly know. don't know. They, they know don't about know. The film and they're excited about that, uh, but I don't think they know. You about... know what? If it had the original English dub and only the original English dub, I'd be fine with that. But a new one? No, thank you. Because those voices, they sound new. They sound like anime voices. <laughs> what a waste of time and money for them to do that. They must have just done it to like either fill a contractual obligation or they want it on like Amazon Prime and they'll be the main version of it, right. I guess. I guess you're right. It's just weird that they made such a big deal about starting to release all of these Mexican films, both like classics and cult stuff, and they're not really doing anything with I mean, these. maybe Santo and the Treasure of Dracula does have the original Mexican audio track. I mean, I know that it's for, like, um, stuff online because it has English subtitles, which you need on streaming services. So it, they it wouldn't have it if they didn't have to, because it makes no sense. They don't have the original language track, but they have English subtitles that exist just to trick people. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> Anyway, I mean, if somebody tells me that it does have the English tr uh, uh, or Mexican track, I will grit my teeth and pick it up. Here, but hold, I highly hold on doubt one it. sec. I will go check right this second. Since it I'm doesn't say, though. It doesn't. Like, oh, you're right. That's the thing. I think I did look at the back and I'm like, no, nope, it only yeah, says English. Like... I'm looking here on the right. official MVD okay, website because they're now supposedly I heard on the Blu-ray forums, a place that I go only rarely because it's scary and people are mean uh, that. There's another company was going to do it, and VCI did these releases to undercut uh, them. That's always that's always a good way to put out a release. So moving on, we have the Mary Millington movie collection from Screenbound. She's some kind of like softcore actress, she right? She is. Yeah. This is this was a release that kind of popped out of, out of nowhere. MVD was distributing this, um, just like a. The men who are watching this just popping up out of nowhere. Popping up out of nowhere. <laughs> They're just shaking it. <laughs> wow. Man, uh, MV, uh, Bay Street, you sure do get a lot of sexy movies. We do. <laughs> like, you know, classic classic erotica, you know. Bay Street. Mis Mr. Bay Street. Yeah, that's our, like, second sort of front. Uh, but, yeah, this... Uh... Uh, Mr. Bay Street was my father's name. <laughs> Call me Street. Uh, but, yes, I believe you are right. Mary Millington was a softcore star. And this is a set from, I believe, the UK app. 
actually, because it's got the UK classification, but it is all region, so anybody can play it here. Uh, beautiful looking box set, contains I think four or five of her films. I am not familiar with any of them though, because I honestly didn't even really know who Mary Millington was before this came yeah, out. Yeah, I've never heard her name until I was looking up stuff uh, for this week. Moving on, we got two more SRS uh, really cheap DVD releases, including Death Bone from uh, Chris Seaver, a man that you know what? He's inspiring. I don't know if I like his movies. <laughs> well, this one's like a Viking saga, right? <laughs> yeah. He had like a blackface Ooh. character he played in a lot of his films. Right. Yeah. Never a good way to endear yourself to audiences. Uh, Sub Rosa, or maybe it was Camp Motion Picture, released one of his films, Mulva Zombie Ass Kicker, with a uh, very fake cover. I don't know if you remember this cover. With a character that, with a model that is not in the movie, and it does not... Um, denote the content of the film at all i like him he chris siever he shoots everything on like mini dv he does it really fast and you know i like that kind of energy i wish i liked the movies more and we also have the idol which is a film that is uh directed by a guy who's probably most famous for being the english guy on the sets of godzilla films in the 90s and the 2000s <laughs> Okay. And yeah, this is a film we made back in 2006 about an evil toy that a toy collector gets. I haven't seen it, but like a sucker, I bought it on Blu-ray direct because I didn't think that you guys were going to get it. And then you yeah, did. Yeah, but we only get the DVDs, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, I got the Blu-ray from Yeah, them. I don't know. Yeah, they're weird. They don't let us. It's kind of like what Full Moon used to do. They don't let us have access to the Blu-rays. Well, it's yeah. an exclusive thing. You know what? I understand. They want people to order it from them. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe down the road, we'll be able to get it like we did with some of their other like recent kaiju stuff yeah well i didn't buy it for the idol it's i bought uh the puppet keiju film howls from the fog i think it is is the name of the movie which they have on blu-ray on their website and i'm sure that one will come to dvd at some point but not for a while because it's been out for like six months so i was like all right I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to get it. And I might as well just get some other stuff while I'm here. Yeah, you probably got a better release of it anyway. So, All right. So moving on, we have classic stuff. The Parallax View, Warren Beatty, Alan J. Peculiar. Peculiar? Pacula? Yeah, Peculiar. Call me Pacula. The classic paranoid thriller. Yeah, good movie. I mean, this one's been crying out for a Blu-ray release for it ages it's only been available on like a crappy old paramount dvd um but yeah this is a really great film i mean i'm a sucker for 70s paranoia thriller so this definitely scratches yeah but he doesn't itch. do any martial arts like he um, doesn't yeah uh what is it uh three days of a condor there's like a weird action scene that happens yeah i'm not that huge a fan of three days of the condor you though. like the more downer ones like spoiler alert the one we're talking about now yeah exactly where no one can win, life is misery, and everyone's against you. And moving on, we have A Tale of Two Cities, the 1935 version, which I remember watching in an English class. My teacher going, you're going to have to put up with some uh, different style of acting because it's a, wait, no, 1935. That's not the silent version. What am I saying? No, that's a sound version. I guess this is the one that people don't talk yeah, about. This, this one's fairly popular with us. Um, not that I've ever seen it or anything. Uh, yeah. Tale of Two Cities. More like Tale of Two Borings, <laughs> am I right? I'm very not well-versed in Charles Dickens. So It was the worst yeah, of times. No, wait. It was the best of times. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I mean, this that's one's directed know, by right? Jack Conway, a filmmaker I am not familiar with who uh, made such great sounding titles like Honky Tonk, Love Crazy, Boomtown. Uh, <laughs> one of the directors on the 1937 version of A Star is Born. Ooh, The Gay Bride. Uh, I don't really know any of those films, but uh, great, great stuff. 
Great stuff. Yeah, we're real nope. film historians <laughs> Me neither. here. Fun titles, though. Pick them up. We also got Six by Sonnenheim. 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 Uh, there you go. I got classic it. composer guy. Lyr- yeah, legendary composer lyricist. Yes. It's a documentary, uh, an intimate and candid look at the life and art of the legendary composer lyricist. There we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, people love Stephen Sondheim around these parts. Um, I've never been able to get into his musicals, and I love musicals. Yeah, I figured you would know more about him. So what's boring? It's just boring to you? Sondheim, boring? That's not true. Yeah, I know. They're going to come and kill you. get into his. Yeah, they're going to come crashing through the window. Yeah, the most famous for is Sweeney Todd. They are. How dare you speak ill of Sondheim. And he also did um, Company is one that he did as well. Right, yeah, he did that. I feel like I'd be a big fan of Steven Sondheim if I had like a subscription to The New Yorker. I just don't have the intellectual capacity to understand that doesn't have something that doesn't have any sweet hooks and repeating melodies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know what? I saw Sweeney Todd, the Tim Burton version. I did too. Um, didn't really like it. <laughs> didn't, didn't really care for it at the time. Um, mostly because of the songs. Yeah, I actually didn't care for it because of the musical aspect. Otherwise, I thought it was I okay. I think, yeah, maybe the musical stuff, it just, my mind can't register it. So it just kind of sounds like a lot of mush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I've tried. I've watched the Neil Patrick Harris, Steve Carell version of Company as well. Right. Yeah, that was pretty big. Yeah, there's a few like documentaries on Company that we have that are always popular. I don't know. People people like his stuff. So this is like Wait, a... isn't Sondheim, wasn't he the one? Oh, he did Into the Woods as he well, did, which is, right. is, is okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. A little light music. Wasn't there like a famous documentary about like recording a Sondheim album? Do yeah, you remember it was that? Company. Yeah, it's original cast album Company. Which... Oh yeah, I love that documentary though. So good, and I especially love the parody version that Bill Hader did. Oh right, right on. Uh, yeah. Uh, so moving on, we got "Lady Sings the Blues" by my man Sidney J. Fury. <laughs> Right. This is a Sidney J. Fury film. Okay. I forgot about that. I've actually never seen it. It is a biopic about Billie Holiday, and it stars Diana Ross, which is what it's really famous for. It's never been on Blu-ray before. Yeah, people love it. It was big in its time. I feel like it's been kind of forgotten to the sands of time as well. Um, It doesn't really get talked about that much, but... This is not a Paramount Presents version because they're saving it for... We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, that's why I was like, there's a really weird Paramount Presents this week. There's a Paramount Presents one this week, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Uh, But they did port all over the special editions on this that they did on the DVD. And I think this one's pretty cheap, right? Oh, it's super cheap. Yeah, we have it for $12.95. Yeah, so I'll definitely be picking that up. So we also have uh, the superior film in the duology, Grease 2. Another quality Paramount release from this week. Although this one's a little more expensive because it's on a Paramount MOD. Because I don't, I don't know why they decide to do this for one. Why couldn't they make Grease two twelve ninety five and then they'd sell a bunch of them probably, right? Oh, they would. I don't know why. I, I'm not even joking. I think I prefer Grease two to the original Grease. Which do you remember when we were kids? Grease got a re-release and like the world had Grease fever. Oh, I know. I remember. Yeah, Grease was everywhere when I was growing up. Everywhere. Did it get like a new theatrical I release? Think it did. I remember yeah. them releasing like a vhs was like a dv uh like a music cd oh yeah it? i know they did a lot remember when they released the dvd version of it that came like wrapped in the the bomber jacket or the uh, leather jacket yes i remember that yeah 100 percent. i played the john travolta role in greece in high school <laughs> did you really uh, could not sing so like sometimes in the song somebody else would pick up for me on the high wow 
<laughs> that's pretty impressive, man. That's pretty impressive. Uh, Grease 2, directed by the dance choreographer of the first Grease. And you can tell, because this movie is just nonstop it's just dancing. dancing. <laughs> and some hilariously bad and catchy songs. Have you seen Grease 2? You know, I never have. I, like, this feels like it has Mark Hansen all over I've it. I've always been interested, because I'm not, like, a super fan of Grease or anything. So I feel like Grease 2 would probably <laughs> hit the spot a little more for me. Grease 2 only brings back the most important character, the D's, Eddie Deason. <laughs> of Other course. than that, because it has uh, Maxwell Caulfield, we've talked about him before, Michelle Pfeiffer, and it has such amazing songs. There's a whole song about like having sex, but it's all about bowling. It's like, we're gonna bowl tonight. We're gonna bowl tonight. <laughs> and oh, there's so many good songs. I'm just looking at the because I've listened to the music. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer sings a song where it's like, he's a cool writer, a cool writer. The uh, big climactic <laughs> song is Rock a Hula Lao, Summer's Coming. Nice. Is this gonna make a comeback, you think? Is Grease 2 gonna be reclaimed? It has its own like real cult of fans. Yeah, totally. But I don't think it's gonna like it. <laughs> it's never gonna. And next up, we have Jazz on a Summer Day, a Louis armstrong fictional film set at the newport jazz is festival fictional? i thought this was like a documentary i think it's like a concert documentary type thing oh because i just looked at the cover and it was like oh you're right it is a concert documentary yeah, so this is this is a pretty big one too for especially for jazz fans and it's been out of print forever but uh, it's been restored by the wizards at indie collect who are the company that have been reclaiming a lot of lost films like a uh, thousand pieces of gold cane river stuff we've talked about before so they, yeah, they got their hands on this and did a whole new restoration of it. So yeah, if you're a jazz fan, this is like a must. Are you a jazz fan? I can appreciate jazz. I wouldn't say I'm like a hardcore fan. No, though. like Sod, like Sodheim. I can't say his name. Son- you Son- want to say Sodheim so bad, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So I love Steven Soderbergh. That jazz is the thing that I'm like, I want to be into this, but my brain, you know, I just need those sweet hooks. You need those hooks. I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I need music like Grease too. <laughs> yeah. Cool rider. Uh, so we also have coming from Kino Nation Time, a report on the National Black Political Convention held in Gary, Indiana in 1972. Historic event that gathered black voices from across the political spectrum. Yeah, and this is another release spearheaded by Indie Collect as well. And they've taken this film, which has gone like unreleased basically since the 70s. And it was actually made by William Greaves, the guy who made Symbio Psychotaxiplasm, which Criterion put out. Oh yeah, you love that uh, yeah, I like film that as guy. well. Um, and I haven't seen this so one. Wait, but... So are these movies just being released now, either because uh, every company owns everything, so they're not afraid being sued. Or are they just like, eh, who cares? I don't know. I guess like Indie Collect, this company is really spearheading these releases. So I guess they're going after stuff that maybe, yeah, the rights have expired or it's just gotten to a point with some of these films that like nobody's going to release them. Maybe the, maybe the owner just has But like them. Jazz on a Summer Day feels like a documentary that like didn't come out due to rights yeah, issues. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was out in a nice DVD set like years and years ago um, from maybe like Fox Lorber, one of those like old companies that doesn't exist anymore. Um, and then since then, it's just been unavailable. So maybe that one has just been a rights issue. With something like Nation Time, since it never really came out, I think it just played at some special screenings in the 70s. I guess maybe it's a case where it's just like, 
people have talked about it. Maybe it's just owned by the filmmaker or the estate of the filmmaker or something. And and he died. Let's take it back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually don't know if William Greaves died or not. I don't know if he's still around. But like I know with something like Cane River where the director has passed away, I guess it was just owned by his estate or something and nobody was doing anything yeah, with it. Yeah, that's weird so... that Cane River didn't come out. Ooh, I yeah, like Cane River. That's great. a good one. So yeah, Indie, look out for Indie Collect. They're putting out a lot of cool stuff that's just like either hasn't seen the light of day for decades or just hasn't ever seen the light of day since it was made. Are they being distributed by Kino? Because you have Kino on well, here. Well, these two are, yeah. But Kane River was done with Oscilloscope. Right. But, uh, yeah, I guess they just get deal. I guess they work out deals with certain distribution companies and go from there. But they have done a lot for Kino because Thousand Pieces of Gold was also a Kino release. So we also have uh, The Suspect. Uh, this is more my speed. A 1944 noir because I am a 75-year-old man. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> and this is directed by Robert Siodmak, one of the noir kings. This one's about genial shopkeeper Philip, played by, I believe, Charles Lawton, who has to endure the constant nagging of a shrewish, shrewish wife while he secretly yearns for a pretty young stenographer. This one's been real popular, though. This is a film that I guess hasn't been available in forever, but... You know, people like Charles Lawton, that's for sure. Yeah, and then because Charles Lawton murders his wife and then somebody sees it and blackmails him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So moving on, we also have So Evil, My Love. <laughs> this is a Lewis Allen film. I like that. <laughs> uh, starring Ray Milan and Anne Todd. In the late 19th century, on board a ship sailing from Jamaica to England, Olivia Harwood, a recent widow, takes on the task of caring for several malaria patients, including Mark Bell. <laughs> oh, Wait a minute. Bummer. What's going on here? The title So Evil, My Love. This sounds like a yeah, drama. I thought this was a noir. This not a noir. I, write, I do have the right synopsis. It's basically she gets involved with the dastardly roguish Ray Milan and noirish things follow from uh, that point. All right. How all right. has this one been popular? People have been like, so evil, my yeah, love. This one's been popular. I mean, all these Kino noirish type releases sell well, you know, you know. How so we also have Man of the East from Kino in their mission to release every spaghetti Western ever made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This one is directed by Enzo Barboni, who used to be a cinematographer on some of the classic spaghettis, but then became a director of himself and essentially killed the spaghetti western genre with his series of films starring the man, the legend, Terrence Hill in comedy westerns. And this is one of them. Never seen it. It followed in the wake of the Trinity films, which weirdly Kino has not released. I feel like that's something they would do. Yeah, they should put those out. I feel like there's been rumors of somebody putting those out, hasn't there? Yeah, maybe the... I have they ever gotten proper North American releases? They did. They had like a Trinity collection that was on DVD that I know we have for rental. And I think it's still available for sale too. I don't think it's out of print. And I mean, I love checking the special features of this because Alex Cox does a commentary, the filmmaker slash Spaghetti Western expert. <laughs> as he always as does. As he always does, seemingly to pay off some kind of blood debt that he owes to Kino uh, for releasing maybe Straight to Hell, <laughs> yeah. the recut version. Uh, but he hates comedy Western. So I can only imagine what his commentary track is on this. Moving on, we also have Wings of the Hawk, uh, which is a Bud Bedecker film, one that I never heard of, a famous uh, Western director, because this one's directed in 3D. Yeah, and these ones always sell well because the people who like these 3D classic ones, like they will snap up every single release. So yeah, this is a more of a minor Bud Bedecker film, but... Ah, selling well, yeah. I was shocked because I did an episode on Bud Bedecker and I watched like most of his major films. I looked at everything he's directed, but I don't remember yeah, this one. I don't one. think you would know it really unless you're like a 3D head and you just like know about every single 3D production. All made. the 3D yeah. movies. As we've already established on this podcast, I love 3D films. They don't 
pop out of the screen for <laughs> I me, know, which disgusts I know. me. So but I feel like Bud Bedecker is a guy that wouldn't do much pop out yeah, effects. Yeah, I don't know what, yeah, like what the gimmick actually looks like on something like this. So we also have Man from Del Rio, The Ride Back. Wait, this is a Kino release? Two Anthony Quinn westerns? This sounds like a Mill Creek thing. You'd think so, right? And it's kind of looks like if you just take a quick glance at it, it looks like it. But no, this is a Kino Studio Classics two-movie collection, which I'm not sure why they don't do with more of these kind of films, honestly. This is a real, like, listen, here, take these movies. We don't want them. <laughs> Directed by such uh, lovable filmmakers as Harry Horner and Alan H. Minor. I'm going to be honest, I don't know those guys. So. <laughs> Me neither. And yet, we've still been selling a bunch of these, so some people out there, West fans know about these when you say you sell a bunch is that like just double well, digits i mean like now a bunch is like not that many because you know of covid listen but, we sold one I, i'm saying a yeah, bunch because i want people I'm to come saying, buy them compared to like the releases out this week this has been one of the top selling ones crazy uh so we also have wild west days which is a 1937 serial from vci yeah let's you want to hate on vci some more <laughs> moving on no the, the frustrating thing is vci does do good stuff they do they really do they have a new release coming out that's like a big release with like new commentary oh they're trying to get on the giallo bandwagon i saw they made an announcement of that don't remember what the title is but it was one that i recognize uh, right uh, yeah, so I we also have that. entre nous uh isn't it between us as well yes also called between us uh this is an indie so indie picks uh which usually we talk about because they just put out like really small kind of recent foreign cinema um they're trying to put out some like they got this line called indie picks classics now and they're putting out obscure foreign cinema from like 10 years ago so <laughs> this one is one of those it's um i never saw this but i remember when it first came out it's about a an immigrant family from colombia or trying to make it in new york and the father just leaves the mother and the kids and they have to kind of like fend for themselves and figure out how to survive uh it's supposed to be really good and it's just been out of print for years and years so now indie picks has kind of re-released it it's just a dvd release though and i don't think there's any extras on these they never do extras. They're like they. I mean, they put right on the back that they have like a to deal with Amazon Prime. So it's almost like they're just yeah. Like, it's only like a contractual thing to get into libraries. Yeah, exactly. So we also have uh, finally Blu-ray special edition Paramount presents Cameron Crowe's Elizabeth Town. <laughs> yeah, of all the movies, <laughs> I would have been interested in this if. There was a director's cut of this film yeah, that never which got released would have anywhere. Been hilarious to see because I mean I've never seen this film, but I remember. Oh, you haven't? I saw it in theaters. Was this the film that he made right after Almost Famous? No, Vanilla Sky. No, uh, Vanilla Sky. He did. I think this was what he did after Vanilla Sky because there was a bit of a gap. There was like a four year. But you gap. love Vanilla Sky. We've already covered. I this. do. I do like Vanilla Sky, but I'm honestly not like a huge Cameron Crowe guy. Like Almost Famous wasn't as big to me as it was for a lot of people. He so. is like such a dad filmmaker. He really it's is. Really yeah. funny. No, I always liked Vanilla Sky, and and on the Blu-ray that they put out of Vanilla Sky, they did include like a director's cut and like included some of those extra scenes that weren't there, and that was just kind of like a bare bones Paramount release otherwise. But with Elizabeth Town, I mean, all I remember about Elizabeth Town is like all of my friends who were obsessed with Cameron Crowe at that time went to go see it at TIFF, I believe. I believe this played at the Toronto <laughs> International Film Festival, and everybody, I just remember them all saying they hated it so much. So it's the film that prompted. 
Nathan Rabin to coin the term Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I guess so, yeah. That would have been this, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, it's in his f- review of it that he coined that term for it. And uh, Cameron Crowe has learned no lessons and has continued to make the same movie with uh, We Bought a Zoo. Right. Aloha. Uh, Aloha. <laughs> Does he have another one in there as well? Uh, did he have a TV show that he was doing for a little while? That oh, we- it was like roadies or something like that. You know like what? That. I feel like this was kind of the movie that people just started seeing right through Cameron Crowe, you know? I feel like he got a lot of acclaim and then Elizabeth town came and they're like what is it with this guy why do we even like this guy anyway you're like i like vanilla sky my favorite character i know right i I threw it on in the store recently just to like kind of get a sense of it and like yeah it sounds it seemed exactly like the kind of movie that would come out in 2005 filled with like a lot of subpar pop music and just like good-looking people making sad faces oh man the cameron crow uh series roadies which lasted only 10 episodes uh came out in the year of imogen poots when she was in every single movie so elizabeth town though are you are you a wait are you a fan of elizabeth town though no (laughs) i remember seeing it in a movie in the theater being like this is bad (laughs) so you won't be paying 40 dollars for this paramount no i will not even though it has a new interview with i'm sure a very sad very very sad Sad camera. Hey, I do own Aloha, which I picked up for five dollars. Fascinated by the feature length making of documentary <laughs> on it. Great. Aloha's terrible. Like it's not woof, real bad. Yeah, never. I mean, Cameron Crow, will he go down in history to nerds like us as the guy during that uh leak of emails where he's like, please let me direct the Steve Jobs movie? <laughs> that was the funniest and most saddest thing that I saw as part of that whole Sony. No, leak. I will not be picking up this Paramount Presents release, which, you know, okay, so at this point, the people in charge of this, like, they don't really watch movies, right? They're just releasing movies that were around when well, they that's were. that's the thing. You've got, like, Lady Sings the Blues. I mean, even Grease 2, I feel like, would be a better choice for the Paramount Presents. That would lot. be a great Paramount Presents release. But I think about the recent ones, there's, like, this and The Haunting, like, the 1999 version. Like, who is making these decisions at Paramount? Wait, wasn't there? It was Airplane, Flashdance, Understandable. Fatal Attraction, got one. Um, Ghost. So they definitely had, like, a theme of, like, 80s, 90s. Like, big, big movies from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, so it's definitely young people that are running, or when I say young, I mean yeah, our age. but then they did something like Roman Holiday, right? Like an all-time classic that had never been out. Yeah, but that's like a classic kind of one. They also did Golden Child with no special features. Um, trading Places they did, so with only one more special feature. So I, I don't know. I don't know who's heading up this division. Yeah, they don't want to do it. They got the position. <laughs> And, you know, they're doing their bare minimum at this job. It is what it is. The golden child. (laughs) Yeah, I know. The golden child, I feel like, is in the level almost of, well, actually, people really like it because it played on HBO a lot. Yeah, people have reclaimed the golden child as like a classic. But like Grease 2 would be perfect for a Paramount Presents release. I don't know. I mean... Or Lady Sings the Blues. Yeah, like, like you if said. they're gonna do Elizabeth Town, really? They're, they can't put something together for those other two movies. What about Almost Famous? No, I mean they have a Blu-ray release of that from like what Blu-rays were first coming out, but there hasn't been like another new one or anything. So uh, finally on 4K. Yeah, I, <laughs> Elysium. I, I never saw this movie. Neil Blomkamp's big follow-up to District Nine, a film that I don't even believe I finished that I watched yeah, the first no. thirty minutes of, and I was like, no, thank you. Yeah, nobody liked this one, eh? It's almost like I know you don't like. Um, District 9, but it's almost like the parts that people really like of District 9 are Peter Jackson's yeah, involvement. Yeah, that seemed to be the case, right? It's like people turned on Neil Blomkamp really fast. I mean, I love Chappie. 
Chappie. Right. I am Chappie. People did like Chappie, of course, of course. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I'm looking up Neil Blomkamp right now. Canadian South African film director. Uh-oh, he's right. one of us. I forgot he had the Canadian connection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still <laughs> making shorts, so he obviously has some kind of money uh, stoking those flames. But, like, him coming Look, out. I'm sure he's doing fine. And being like, <laughs> I'm going to make a direct sequel to Aliens. It's like, why? No. Just make a fan film then, man. He just seems like he was better off making fan films, right? Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> make something inspired by the thing that you like. Not like, ugh, I don't like fan films. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> now, the, now I've completely alienated the fan film audience. Right, right. <laughs> I only like the 90s fan films where it's like a guy shooting a Spider-Man short in like his garage. Yeah, see, those are funny. Those are funny. Now they're just too, like, they're too digital. and I just Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. Like, when you say fan film... Like, I think me and you picture the exact same, like, generic sci-fi lens flare style. Yeah, like Neil Blomkamp's, you know, fan film stuff. I remember seeing that at time being like, really? This is what everybody's getting. <laughs> I'm smarter than everybody else. I get jazz. Me, Mark Hansen, <laughs> a.k.a. Mr. Mr. Bay, Bay Street. Street here. He knows all. But, you know, I guess Neil Blomkamp made millions of dollars and I made nothing, so... What shows what I know? Shows yeah, what I so know. I guess one of yeah. Wait, wait. What wasn't there a famous Neil Blomkamp quote where he's like, "I don't read books." I remember that going around. Yeah, yeah. whatever. You just need video games and sci-fi movies, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, white people from South Africa. All right, so moving on, we have new stuff. Take it away, new Mark. movies. New, 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 new. Well, right off the docket, we've got our our man, really our man, Mr. Jerry Butler in Greenland. All okay. right, I'm retiring the our man thing. Uh, next episode, in case some other ones come up, we're allowed some more our mans on okay. here. Okay. Well, we've got Greenland hit. You know, heading up the new releases this year, this week, and it is a big one, I guess, for some people. Is it? I don't know. People are really liking this movie. You didn't watch it, did you? I did watch this. Of course oh, I watched did? this. Oh, you did? Okay. To, Phew, I had let's to, discuss. I had to do this because I'm a fan of disaster movies and I'm a fan of Gerard Butler. So, I mean, I've been watching- And you're a fan of the director of this. And I am a fan of the director of this, Mr. Rick Roman Wog? <laughs> I don't know. Um, who also directed Felon, that Stephen Dorff Val Kilmer movie <laughs> we talked about when a couple Man, weeks ago. Man, you're a real ride or die for this guy I know, based I know. on Well, Felon. you know, that was the first movie that I saw of his. I'm like, this is pretty good. And then I saw Snitch when that came out and I liked that. And you know, the oh, rest is no, history. I don't like Snitch, the oh, boring like the Snitch. rock movie. Oh, I like Snitch, I think that movie's great. But uh, Greenland is you know, seemed like it would be up my alley. Um, I mean, would you deny me calling this film Karen the movie? Karen the movie, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I just thought this movie was because like, literally, it's the characters just complaining to see the manager until they get what until they need. Until they get it. I mean, I thought this movie was just going to be a lot more bombastic or disastrous than it was and there's really a not that much disaster content in this right it's, it's really just about like yeah a family trying to reunite after they get split up for the stupidest reasons honestly and when and when uh the disaster happens it lasts 10 seconds and then they just wander back well out it's again. supposed to be like an extinction level event they keep talking about this thing but then at the end you find out oh no there's just like there's like these underground camps of people all over the world so it's fine, I guess. It doesn't, like, they're, they're able to rebuild society, I guess. So I guess it's not an extinction level event, but okay. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> this movie's not good. But yet people seem to be really enjoying this because this dropped on Amazon Prime over the weekend. My brother was yeah. like, yeah, our dad recommended this to us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
I was just surprised by the amount of people I see just, I guess, online on social media being like, this movie's really good. You know, Do, you know, you'd think this would be just whatever, but this is like one of Gerard Butler's best. This is one of like, the, I mean, people just must be really starved for like big new releases, you know? All the characters do is complain, 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 complain. And they think that they're special, that they should get special treatment. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. This this movie, I wanted to like this. You know, I was going with it for the first half hour. But at like two hours long, it just gets boring really Yeah, I was actually fast. with it for the first half hour, where it seems like there's like weird mysteries that are being set up. Like, what's going yeah. on? Well, they're trying Why to is Gerard do a, Butler's family chosen right? for no reason? Yeah, they're trying to do a, like a more realistic kind of like setup for like how this kind of thing would go down. But then it just like totally blows that once they try, once they like get split up it just gets more and more ridiculous Gerard after Butler that. is constantly promising people he'll help them and then not helping and then not them. helping them at all yeah I don't know people people seem to think Gerard Butler gives like a fantastic dramatic performance in this but like uh I would like them to check out Den of Thieves yeah thank he's you very much. way better in Den of Thieves than this so or Gods of Egypt yeah just because he acts more somber in this people think that he's like giving a better performance oh yeah that's Will Smith syndrome yeah right where it's like if you're not charming and fun it's a better performance it's like no it's not yeah not at all so greenland nah whatever uh moving on though to another big release freaky which i did not see but i know people liked this a lot. oh i've seen freaky super yeah. fun fun yep vince okay. vaughn and a young women trade bodies so vince vaughn acts like a scared little girl and i don't mean that you know to be an insult he just acts not like the actor before him. Yeah, it's like it's like the um, it's like the Rob Schneider classic, the hot chick. Exactly, right? <laughs> it's like the hot chick, but with a lot more violence. I, I'm actually a big uh, fan of writer director Chris Landon. Right, he did Happy Death Day, right? He did Happy Death Day one and two. He also did the underrated uh, Boy Scouts versus Zombies. Oh right, uh, right. Or wait, Which, Scouts, uh, based on the trailer, yeah. I was like, no, thank you. But then when I saw Happy Death Day, I was like, I'll go back and check okay. it out. Yeah, no, I, I liked Happy Death Day a lot. Um, I haven't seen the sequel, but I definitely like that one. <laughs> Not enough to check out the sequel. It seems that he got like an order on Freaky to make it as violent as possible. Because, you know, Happy Death Day is not very gory, but like Freaky is super gory. Well, that's cool. You know, Blum, that's Blumhouse, right? They put this one out. Yeah, so but they don't usually do like, gory stuff. No, I guess he's just like one of their in-house directors now. So maybe he has more pull than what he used to have. And we also have from Shout. Sputnik, which is supposed to Sputnik, be Sputnik? Sputnik. Sputnik. This one's supposed to be really good. I mean, we talk about Russian is movies it? all it's the time. It's being released by Shout Factory. Well, it's a hold new on movie. a sec. It's being released by Shout and IFC together, which usually means it's a bit better quality. Um, I know we talk about Russian movies all the time on here, and they're usually crap, but this one's actually a really well acclaimed Russian sci-fi movie, which basically kind of seems like an alien type ripoff, but it's supposed to be really good. So yeah. Moving on, we've got Jiang Zia, which is a new Chinese animated film from Wellgo. Apparently, it is the second part of the of a cinematic universe that started with Nija, which we talked about. I did. I saw Nija. I saw yeah, in theaters. You liked that, right? Yeah, it was pretty fun. I don't know, man. These Chinese fantasy blockbusters, even though they're animated, they kill me. They're so dumb. Yeah, dark. I don't know. This one doesn't seem to have a lot. I don't think it got the push, I guess, because theater, maybe if theaters were open, it would play theatrically here. But since that's not the case, I don't know if anybody I mean, knows Niza about it. was a gigantic hit, like, across the world. Yeah, we sold a bunch of copies of that here. Uh, with this one, we've been selling a few. I guess people have been keeping up with this, but I, you can't find a ton of info about it online, even. Uh, but yeah, moving on, we've got uh, a big film for this year's foreign film contenders, Martin Eden, which everybody's talking about. Uh, Italian movie based on a Jack London book. 
uh, about an Italian guy who's just trying to get to the top of the literary scene, I think. Or... I believe, isn't the Jack London book, like, it's not set in the period that this movie it is? It is, yeah. yeah. So they've kind of, like, adapted the Jack London book to fit this time period of, uh, I guess, 1900s Italy. Uh, but I haven't seen this because I have not been, you know, keeping up with my year-end acclaimed movies list or anything but i hear this You're one's like, really good what's the point I anymore know, who cares right uh but moving on we've got some more foreign cinema we got hill of freedom the new hong sang Su movie um out of korea and people love him he's a big deal uh and this release is pretty cool it's from grasshopper because it also includes another full-length feature of his woman on the beach from uh about 10 years or so ago that i guess was never released so they've kind of crammed these two releases onto one onto one disc no special yeah. features what are you doing no special features, but you get a whole extra movie, so you know at least that kind of justifies the price. Give me point. a video essay or something like that. They've released so many Hong Sang Soo movies though at this point. I think Grasshopper's got like the uh, the lockdown on Hong Sang Soo. What are the other ones that they've done? Uh, I think they did Right Now, Wrong Then. Um, oh, they've done a bunch of this. The titles are all blurring. I think it's between them and Cinema Guild. They've kind of they split up the Hong Sang Soo stuff that comes out and must like go one for one or whatever uh and we've also got you go to my head which is a french spanish movie i think uh about a woman who uh, wakes up in the sahara desert and doesn't know where she is she has amnesia and some random guy picks her up and pretends to be her husband and takes her home and then but she starts to you know slowly figure out that something is not right uh, one of those kind of movies, which is usually right up my alley, so I'm probably going to be checking this one out. Apparently, it looks beautiful, though. All the quotes on the cover say that it looks like Kubrick and Antonioni every frame, so yeah, could be cool. Could be cool. And then we got uh, Night Shift from France, which is like a police thriller uh, made by Anne Fontaine, who is a fairly big director over there. She made Natalie, which was adapted by Adam Egoyan into Chloe over here, which we all know. We all like, obviously. You go have yourself uh, an adulterous affair down at the Botanical Gardens. Or do you? Or do you? Well, if you wanted to see the French version of Chloe with a, you know, Gerard Depardieu in it, then check out Natalie, which is, you know, okay, okay. Uh, but she's directed a lot of movies, uh, so she's a pretty big talent in France. And this is her new film with Omar Sy, I believe. Uh, so next up, we've got more foreign content. We've got Falci, Falcon Special Squad, which is like an Italian cop movie put out by Raro Video, that, who usually does like older stuff. They do a lot of like classic kind of like 70s exploitation Italian crime. Uh, but every once in a while, they put out a new movie. And this is one. They're, they're trying to fashion it like it looks like one of those old 70s type movies. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, though. It, seems it is like, not. I don't believe. Yeah, this seems like more of like a regional type movie that just like came out theatrically in Italy, but doesn't really have much appeal beyond that. But uh, but they put it out in a nice special edition. Uh, we've also got some foreign TV. We've got Marseille, the complete series. Speaking, Speaking of, of our Depardieu, man. Yeah, <laughs> Gerard Depardieu. This is really our man, Gerard Depardieu here. Um, yeah, this was a big series that I think was on Netflix for a while. Yeah. You know, people love this kind of content. Uh, we've also got Border Town Season 1, which is a Finnish crime series that's been picking up a lot of acclaim. Uh, also on Netflix. So I guess Kino's just putting out some, like, foreign stuff that's just yeah, been, I guess Netflix know, is like, yeah, just Netflix. let us put it. Yeah, I think Netflix kind of gets the rights for, like, a year or two, and then they're like, all right, you guys can put it out on disc, whoever owns it. Uh, next up, we got a bunch of documentaries out this week, too. Born to Be, which is about the... Um, 
the transgender wing at uh, Mount Sinai Hospital in New York and how that operates and how revolutionary that center is. We've got Assassins, which is really cool documentary about the two women who were basically charged with assassinating um, Kim Jong-nam, who was the half-brother of Kim Jong-un, or Kim Jong-un, the North Korean dictator. And uh, it basically goes into what happened with them, why they did what they did, the whole conspiracy behind it. I mean, yeah. isn't the story just... Uh, some people took them aside and said, hey, we're shooting a prank show. Yeah. Go prank this guy by yeah. putting dust in his face. And it was like That's poisonous kind of, dust yeah, that the killed simple him. simple kind of log line of it. But it's it's crazy how deep this goes and how they were conducting these prank videos for like months beforehand. And they were doing it with just like regular kind of baby oil on their hands. So they just thought this was another one. Yeah. So this whole operation had been set up like months in advance to get two women to actually do prank videos, which were just prank videos at first, although they weren't really going anywhere. And then eventually it was going to lead to this assassination. Um, really fascinating. So if you like true crime kind of documentaries and especially like stuff about North Korea, this is pretty fascinating. So yeah, I would say. I mean, I like stuff about North Korea. Do I like true crime documentaries? Well, I do I not. Like the, I like true crime documentaries. So I got a, I got a lot out it's of this. It's real people's know, lives, but- Mark. They're but not you know for what? your entertainment. It's really, it's really nice to see these the story of these two girls because they were sidelined a lot. Um, they are like, it's not really a spoiler, but they are actually out and free now. So it does have a happy ending. But for a while there, you're thinking like, oh, man, are they going to just like hang for this basically? Um, but it's it's great stuff. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this yeah, one. Yes, very well acclaimed. People really like this talk. Uh, you know, we've got Madame, which is a French documentary about a young man who uh, was helped with his coming out as being gay by... By his grandmother in like a really conservative family, uh, being put out by Altered Innocence, who puts out a real, lot of really great LGBT content. Uh, we've got Margaret Atwood, a word after a word after a word is power, which is a Margaret Atwood documentary. I don't know <laughs> what else do you need to know about that. We've got Billy going back to Billy Holiday. There's also a Billy Holiday documentary out this week, uh, which is supposed to be really good. Uh, we've also got the Change in Times of Ike White, which is a documentary about the my God. There's so many documentaries. This famous week. musician who recorded while he was uh, in. like a lifetime prison sentence and then we've got a weirder kind of documentary the el duce tapes put out el duce tapes is that what it is el duce tapes put out by arrow uh which is a one of the new films from rodney asher who made room 237 and also the recent a glitch in the matrix which has been going around recently this is about a uh underground kind of like death metal type artist yeah who... they're like shock metal band in the 90s it's about the front men uh Elden yeah Hoke. so this one looks pretty interesting i didn't get a chance to check this out i usually dig rodney asher stuff i really like the nightmare too um and he definitely has a knack for going after kind of weird subject matter and sort of like you know rubbing it in your face um so yeah and this one arrows picked up and done the full special treatment with so yeah get on that We've also got a new release from Trauma called Honor Killing. Uh, typical trauma stuff here. I'm not sure really what else to say about that. <laughs> it's, it's I was hoping like it was like a documentary trauma. from no, Trauma called Honor Killing. this is just a Killing. new trauma movie, so take it or leave it. It's directed by someone named Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, and it's a United States yeah. movie. I okay. Know. Ooh. Looks, um, I don't know, offensive. Yeah, probably offensive. But what else is new from Troma? Uh, we've got Blind Fire, which is a uh, police corruption kind of drama or police violence drama having to do with race. And uh, but it's you know kind of like a VOD type movie. It stars Brian Garrity from like The Hurt Locker. 
Uh, we've also got Knuckle Dust, which is apparently a Guy Ritchie kind of knockoff from Britain about. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I just hear Guy Ritchie when I keep typing this movie. In. <laughs> yeah, just black out. Just Guy Ritchie. Uh, we've got Wander Darkly, which is a pretty acclaimed movie with Diego Luna and Sienna Miller about a traumatized couple, you know, working through their trauma. <laughs> um, <laughs> A traumatized couple, traumatized working, through their couple trauma. working through their trauma. That's all I got on that one. Uh, we've got Lost Girls and Love Hotels, which apparently is, was a really big novel that's now been turned into a movie about an American woman who uh, is basically falls in love with a Yakuza guy in Tokyo. I don't know. This, <laughs> I'm not sure. I guess people really like the book. I'm running out Mark's of steam. Mark's running out of steam to... at the end of this giant list of new movies. Uh, well, I've seen the next one, 0.0 Megahertz, which is a new Korean horror movie. <laughs> of course you have. A new Shudder original horror Of course, film. because it's got a reality TV angle. So, of course, I've seen this. Uh, but this movie is honestly not very good. It's, it's just about... <laughs> Shocking! Yeah, it's just about a bunch of, you know, yeah, young people doing some sort of youtube show going to like a haunted house but nothing really that entertaining happens to be honest if you want a good career oh, it's time for the important uh is this a found footage film uh no it's not and i was just gonna say if you want a good korean like reality tv horror movie just rent ganjiam haunted asylum which is much much better so i would just go with that but moving on we've got watching tv with the red chinese which is actually an older film from like 2012 i think that mvd is putting out uh, kind of like an indie New York comedy, but uh, I guess it's notable for having a bunch of like people who are now famous in like early roles. It's got Jillian Jacobs, Constance Wu, uh, some other people that I'm forgetting, but it's kind of like an early indie comedy they did. Uh, and then finally, we've got we're at the last title on this list. Finally, and this week's Blind Buy. <laughs> Blind Buy. <laughs> we've got Murderous Trance, also known as The Guardian Angel being put out by MBD. Uh, only known as the Guardian Angel. If you look up the title Murderous Trance, you'll have a lot of difficulty finding information about You will, about this you film. will. But for some reason, MVD has elected to just release this on uh, DVD in North America as Murderous Trance. Uh, it's The Guardian Angel is the name of the book that it is based on, which is pretty famous. Uh, but, the true story the true that story it's based, based on. on. But uh, yeah, quick summary. This is like a, you know, a kind of bougie European thriller. Um that's all done in English, though. So it yeah. has that beautiful, like, what cameras are these people using? Look, that like European productions have. Where it's like it looks so cheap. So when we first got this movie in, I was like, I looked at the cover, and it's got like this cop on the front, and it's got none other than Josh Lucas's face um, in like a cloud of smoke, making him look. And super, you are a Josh Lucas completist. Yeah, I'm Josh Lucas completist. So I was like. We got to check this out. It's called Murderous Trance. Hilarious title. I did not realize this was a period piece thriller that takes place in the aftermath of World War II in Copenhagen. And it's about a real life killer who used his powers of hypnosis to hypnotize people to... Well, he hypnotized one guy to rob a bank and kill some people, and then the cops are basically... I mean, that's the big problem I have with this, is that, like, I was hoping for, like, hypnotism, like, um, serial killer, like, crime spree. Right, yeah, and he's not really a serial killer. He just, like, gets one guy to do something, right? So... Well, he's, like, a cult he leader, is, essentially. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was, like, a cult of one, I guess. Well, it's hilarious, because all the flashbacks of him, like... 
you finding out Josh Lucas's past as a cult leader. So he was in prison because he was a Nazi sympathizer or he worked with the Nazis, I guess, during World War II. And while he was in prison, he recruited this young guy to basically <laughs> get into this cult, which is all about like evil yoga, really, which I found really hilarious. <laughs> yeah. This movie. And they're bald and in yellow jumpsuits. I guess they're prison jumpsuits. It's almost worth a watch alone for the sight of uh, Josh Lucas bald as like a cult leader. Nope. Just look a photo online. Yeah, or you could just look at the photo online. I mean, I did think it was kind of entertaining how much this movie demonizes yoga, though, which is really funny I to me. I love Josh Lucas's insane accent that he has in this movie. Oh, my God. And yeah, Josh Lucas is trying, well, in what, in, you know, typical kind of like Euro thriller fashion when the movies are in English, everybody's kind of speaking with like a Britishy sort of accent. Well, he does not have a Except British. Except for Josh yeah. Lucas. Yeah, Josh Lucas is trying to do, I guess, a Danish accent, right? Or something His like name that. in the movie is Bjorn Schoen Nielsen. <laughs> yeah, so he really runs with that. He also looks a lot like Sean Penn to me. It seems like he's just gotten like hmm. older and more bloated over the years. Josh Lucas, you know, wasn't he in the running with Bradley Cooper for a while? as like the handsome he leading was. man one. I mean, now... I feel like stealth kind of killed his leading man career. <laughs> I forgot Remember, about I feel like stealth was the movie that was really supposed to make him like a leading action star. And... What a terrible movie. Yikes, yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever finished Self. It was so bad. But um, oh, he was in a Purge movie. He was in Ford versus Ferrari. He had a big role in Ford versus yeah, Ferrari. He still works a lot. I've still seen him in a lot. He does a lot of indie films, actually, like actually acclaimed indie films too. Oh, but... he's so a dad film, a dad actor. He's in Kevin Costner's Yellowstone. Right. Well, you know, he popped up in uh, She Dies Tomorrow, though. I just remember. Remember, he was in that one scene as the doctor. Yeah. So yeah, he still works. Um, this one, yeah, I'm not sure how he got involved with this since it is like a Danish, German, Norwegian production, because I think the director is actually Norwegian. Uh, the star of the film, Pilu Eisbeck, is from uh, is a pretty well-known uh, actor who is in A Hijacking. I think he's on Game of Thrones. Um, so there's like a pretty big, there's a lot of big pedigree in terms of like big European international productions. So I feel like this movie was probably a bigger hit overseas than it, it is It was not here. a hit. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this resonates with like a certain crowd of people though. Uh, I definitely think so our crowd, like an older rental crowd. There's um, no Judy Dench's. Or There's Ian McKellen's yeah. in this. So. I just did not. This movie was not what I was expecting. I really thought this was we were getting in for some sort of like trashy thriller, some trashy serial killer thriller about a guy. Uh, who, no, like, instead it's so buttoned down people. and boring. It's really buttoned down. But I have to admit, this one didn't. I didn't actually hate this one as much as I've hated some of the stuff we watch. <laughs> you know what? It gave me a real uh, Mob Town kind it of feel. Oh, it's got a bigger budget than Mob Town, though. I would say it has a huge budget, more, but it has the same kind of level of energy going on. It definitely on. is sleepy. Um, I was watching it with my partner, and she fell asleep like 15 minutes in. <laughs> Are so. you sure she wasn't hypnotized by the? She film? was hypnotized by the boredom of murderous trance. That's for sure. But you know what? I don't know. I got a certain level of enjoyment. Out of mainly mainly just Josh Lucas's uh, performance. I mean, there's a lot of weird politics about the fact like the main investigator's wife starts this weird relationship with Josh Lucas, even though he's like 
you know, a Nazi sympathizer and she's Jewish, I believe. And it's yeah, like, well, isn't she hypnotized? Isn't that what they talk about at the end? But of the then movie? it all kind of like switches at the end. I mean, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, where they're like, I wasn't hypnotized. And it's like, wait a minute, but you still slept with him a bunch. Exactly, right? I mean, I have to say the ending was really hilarious to me um, when basically everything's solved. Everything kind of concludes in like a Scooby-Doo kind of fashion. Where <laughs> yeah, like, it does. It's like it sets up this final kind of confrontation, but then it's like it's a reversal and like the bad guy and is like just everybody caught, comes everybody in that was, shows up, had been yeah. in the movie. <laughs> everybody shows up to explain how they duped uh, Josh Lucas's character. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend blind buying this necessarily. No. But, no. I didn't dislike this one as much as I thought I was going to. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. Any other new updates, Not so Mark? Much. We're still keeping strong with the curbside pickups and shipping options and everything here. There are no plans to, like, reopen at any time, you know, soon. I know there are some rumblings about, you know, stuff in Toronto potentially reopening soon, but we're going to take things very cautiously here because it's really dangerous out there now and everybody's predicting all top medical experts are saying that a third wave is going to start as soon as we open again so you know it's bad that's uh <laughs> it's bad it's bad out there so and on that note we go out with a smile we do we we're always smiling on the back always video smiling so my name's justin the clue and i'm mark hansen keep on buying keep on renting <laughs> Grease 2! These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Bring it back from the grave, I guess, just to bury it again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)